This is WNXS News with your anchors, Kit Harding, Jake E, ISO on Esports, and Diz on Product Forecast. Welcome to WNXS News, your nexus for magic news. I'm Jank E. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story this week actually features... Really? Bank of America? This is one of those stories with the stock market in it, isn't it? I mean, since we won't be able to get away with a BOFA joke on this podcast, yes, it is. It is. I don't know what BOFA is. You know what, kid? I'll just tell you when you're older. I'm still trying to get someone to explain to me how the stock market isn't a Ponzi scheme, but since you're not going to do that, please continue. Well, back in November, Bank of America warned that Hasbro was destroying the long-term value of the brand by over-monetizing magic in the short term, which is quite honestly what happens in a world where corporations have to maximize shareholder value over valid product and long-term profit, I guess. That's actually not a legal obligation the way most people think it is, but the hedge funds are very invested in pushing the idea that it is a legal obligation, and it's infested business thought among CEOs to a distressing degree. Kit, how do you know about that, but you don't know how the stock market actually works? I am a woman of many depths. That's certainly one way to describe that. This week, Bank of America once more rated Hasbro as an underperforming stock based largely on its mismanagement of the Wizard brands, Magic, and much more recently, the punting into the sun of Dungeons & Dragons Beyond. Stock reports are getting more colorful, apparently. Kit, this is my paraphrasing, not the actual report verbiage. The mismanagement wouldn't specifically happen to have anything to do with the massive explosion and boycott threats surrounding Wizards' attempt at revoking their open gaming license for third-party content for D&D, would it? That is, in fact, exactly what was punted into the sun, and it was specifically called out during the report. Bank of America called it out right alongside the increased schedule of releases, which we here on this podcast have numerous times pointed out as well, the over-monetization of Magic, and, cite <clears throat> and cited evidence that game stores are losing money and collectors are liquidating their collections. They called out decreasing fan engagement as one of the likely negative consequences. People have been saying that for ages, and Watsy just keeps saying it's only the really plugged-in people who say that in sales are just fine for people who don't look at the online stuff. Well, they also did say that Watsy wasn't in touch with its fan base, which I can't speak for you, Kit, or our listeners, but that's not the most surprising thing I've ever heard. But maybe now that money people said something about it, Hasbro will actually go back to running magic as it should be run. Out of the mana vortex? Hasbro has had massive layoffs recently, and, you know, this doesn't exactly fill myself or others with hope. Ah, so they're making sacrifices to the mana vortex instead. That never ends well. They're still alive, Kit. 
for now. Remember we discovered in the last episode that Urza runs Watsi customer service, and people in his vicinity tend to wind up falling into vortices a lot. Next up. I had the opportunity recently to sit down with Beth, Queen of Cardboard, our longest-running guest, actually, about her recent cancer charity stream to benefit a close personal friend of hers, which was commonly known as hashtag FCancer. And welcome to another News Talk. With me on this edition is the one, the only, the number one all-time recurring guest of News Talk, Beth, Queen of Cardboard. Beth, how are you? exhausted (laughs) i'm so tired (laughs) otherwise i'm doing really good well uh the astute listener may realize that uh that's a very odd response right off the bat but it makes sense considering why you're so exhausted um for anyone who isn't aware this past weekend beth this is when the event itself took place but of course beth put in God knows how much time beforehand. Uh, there was an event that was organized by Beth to benefit uh, someone that she and her boss both know, uh, who is unfortunately struggling through some uh, some cancer and cancer related stuff right now. Um, and yeah. as always, this community was more than willing to step up. But uh, before we get to the to the super great part of this, Beth, uh, tell us a little bit more about Steve and about what what was going on and what led to this event. So Steve is a local player. Um, he plays at my LGS. He plays Magic, Digimon, a couple other games. Um, and he's been coming to the LGS for years and years. So he knows my boss, uh, who actually played in the event, AJ, really, really well. And he recently in uh, 2022 was diagnosed with uh, cancer and it's pretty rare. It's called primary central nervous system lymphoma. Um, And that's not only a rare cancer, but he's only 31. And so that's Mm. not something that normally happens for someone of that age. Uh, So yeah, he uh, has been struggling really badly uh, with that. And He's gone um, through several rounds of chemo. He's been in and out of the hospital. I know that our LGS did a big event uh, a month or so ago, and he was in the ICU when that event went down. So he's just re- he hasn't been able to work. He's really, really struggling. It's been just an overall tough situation for him. Right. Um, and when... When the event started officially, which was this past uh, Friday, um, so a week ago by the time this episode drops, uh, the the event was being channeled through GoFundMe, uh, which you know they're they're very watchful for scams now that so many people have used them to scam. Um, strange how actions have consequences sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and anyone who did donate may have seen a surprisingly high number. What was that Steve and his family had already reached their goal by the time the event started. What was the goal? What or was there rather a goal number for the event itself? 
Actually, yes. I, um, knowing that the GoFundMe was already at its limit and that we were kind of doing it on top of what was already reached, I had a goal of $1,000 to $2,000 is originally what I had planned for. Um, and we we actually made that goal. We made a full $2,000 in two days. So, I mean, I can't ask for any more. I'm really blown away every time that uh, the community gets together, <coughs> excuse me, especially in support of someone that they either know or don't know. I feel like GoFundMes are, sometimes people are a little skeptical of that, you know, because of the scams that are out there. I think that I've always had better luck when we're doing it through Tiltify or, you know, for a big organization like, mm -hmm. you know, any other thing that I've done in the last year. But I'm always blown away, like when we did the event for Anomaly last year and now this one for Steven, the amount of people just come out of the woodwork to help someone they don't know. I think that's what blows me the way away the most about the magic community is just their givingness and willingness to help. I can, uh, I can definitely agree with that as one of the just most remarkable things about this whole community. Um, so you were the, were you the lead or the, or, or the only or both organizer when it comes to the event? <laughs> I would, that's really hard to say because it definitely was my idea. It was definitely something that I put together. I grabbed the hosts. Um, but I put together a group chat this week of all of our hosts. There were 14, I want to say, of them all in all. And mm -hmm. I put everybody in a group chat so we could share information, share the graphics, all of that. And this is where it gets really cool. They helped us. So each host did something whether it was just host a pod and, you know, pass on, but each host had their own little spin on things, their own take. And I will say that. As usual, the full interview will be in the show notes. I love how devoted magic players are to charitable giving. We've seen streams for so many worthy causes. It's true. And it's one of the highlights of doing this type of content. And on that note, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll hear from both Diz and ISO about all new secret lairs and recent and upcoming events. Hi there, it's your friendly local news anchor, Jank E, and I've got a message just for our listeners. You may notice when you're listening to this episode, as well as the next one, that the information we're giving you is to put it very lightly, somewhat out of date. Uh, the short version for that is that we don't know why. Uh, all we know is we've had some sort of technological issue um, that we hope now has been resolved. Um, in the event that it hasn't, we're still working on it, but, I mean, who knows, maybe Kit's right and I am cursed by the Man of Vortex. Not that she'll ever hear me actually say those words. Um, but regardless, we thank you for your patience as we work through this, and we still are going to put out the episodes that we are missing. Uh, if not just to catch back up, just so that you can hear the great interviews we've had over those episodes. Anyway, again, thank you for your patience, thank you for your support, and, uh, 
we hope that you stick with us. And we're back. Now we're going over to Diz to hear about the brand new Winter Secret Lair Super Drop. You're getting dramatic intonation too. I try. Thanks, Jake. The cards on the horizon this week start off with a Secret Lair Winter Super Drop. First up, we have the Step and Complete Edition, which features foil ichor art for five regions, including Gliss the Traitor. The art for this one is all black and white and quite striking. Phyresian Faves gives us five favorite cards, including the classic Batter Skull, written in Phyresian. Better memorize your cards or learn to read it if you want to play, but they do look pretty cool. Snakes gives us snakes. Five Serpents from Throughout Magic in borderless full art with a somewhat less photorealistic art style going for a more cartoony look. City Styles also eschews photorealism, but rather than cartoony, it goes for hand-drawn fashion plate. Meanwhile, the 90s binder experience looks straight out of Lisa Frank right down to Goreclaw as a pink bear lounging on the moon. Departing entirely from the world of realistic art or anything like a normal card frame, we have Draw Your Hand with Eldrazi Conscription, Deafening Silence, Counterbalance, and Bruno Light of Alabaster with some truly experimental art. They do have rules text, but otherwise they're unlike any usual card. And last but not least, an artist showcase for Sam Burley. These cards were selected by Burley for new original art. It's always nice to see such a well-known skilled artist get recognized. All of the secret layers are available in foil and non-foil. That's the news this week, and now back to you. Thanks, Diz. Draw your hand certainly looks like it came right from the Mana Vortex. And I'll bet it'll be real handy once you fall back in. If you keep making puns, I'm going to shove you in. Feeling a bit murdery today, are we? Uh, but but, ch- but cheery murdery. Uh, because I'm also really delighting in the straight out of, in the straight out of Lisa Frank cards. It's I am strongly tempted to buy one just for the nostalgia value. Now I know how you got involved with the Mana Vortex. Unnaturally and abnormally brightly colored childhood school supplies. Everything was unnaturally colored in the 90s. It was defining trait of the decade. Continuing with the money stories, someone sold a practically perfect in every way preserved Alpha Lord of the Pit for the astonishing sum of $105,000. Who has that kind of money around to just say, oh, let me drop a hundred and five grand on a card? The kind of people who run around shouting about shareholder value because they own hedge funds? <sighs> It is absolutely amazing how often late-stage capitalism has come up recently on our gaming newscast. We are on a Phyrexia set. Speaking of which, let's cut to ISO for a look at the upcoming Pro Tour Phyrexia! Thanks, kid. We're a little more than a week out from Pro Tour Phyresia, which will be taking place at MagicCon Philadelphia on January 17th. There's a $500,000 prize pool, with 50000 going to the top slot. 
It'll be streamed at twitch.tv magic with broadcast kicking off at 11 a.m. Eastern. The format will be draft followed by five rounds of Pioneer Constructed. Almost 250 invitations were issued and the gathering continues to return, as does the Pro Tour itself. While there were a number of attempts at events of similar caliber, there hasn't been a true Pro Tour since Guilds of Ravnica in 2018. We're excited to welcome it back, and I look forward to showing you the winners and popular decks. If anyone out there is so excited by the Pro Tour that they're motivated to give it a shot, regional qualifiers are running, and until the end of April, Pro Tour Barcelona is their final destination. You can also get a thing in the ice with some amazing art. There have been some changes announced for the April 22nd through August 20th season of the regional championships. Qualifier formats will no longer be in the hands of the individual stores. Instead, Wizards will specify a constructed format, and the qualifiers can be the designated constructed format or the current limited format. Regional championships will match the feeder qualifiers, though this is not the case for the Pro Tours. Wizards says this will allow people to compete in more than one qualifier event, as they won't need to maintain multiple decks in different constructed formats. Wizards emphasize that the current limited format will always remain an option for stores to allow for variety. That's the big news of the week, but we have some smaller updates. Farija All Will Be One had an early access day. The highest win rate in draft, with 54.9%, was with white-blue-black decks. Sealed had a deck with an even higher percentage. Red-green won 59% of the time. We're still in the early days, but Eye of Malkator was the most picked blue card in draft. Gold Warden's Helm in white, and Whisper of the Dross in black. Clearly cards to watch. To round out the most picked, Red had Blazing Crescendo, Green had Predation Steward, and Colorless had Prophetic Prism. Kit. Thanks, Iso. Now we're going to another break, and when we get back, I'll get to do something I'm calling Kickstarter Corner! Wait, what? Oh, welcome now, all you listeners. Just sit on down by your radio boxes and tune on in to Grampy Jank's Story Corner. It will be coming very, very soon, and I'll just give you the briefest of summaries of what's been going on with the magic story. All you need to do is get your popcorn and your egg creams, and you can just listen on as Grampy tells you all about Phyrexia and the fall of Phyrexia, which wasn't as bad as the winter of Phyrexia, where I had to walk uphill both ways to get to the next level of Mirrodin, or Nilphorexia as it's called nowadays, but in those days it was called Mirrodin. <clears throat> Welcome back! Kit, uh, I had to wait till after the break because you just ran off on me, but I have a quick note about this Kickstarter corner. You're aware that you're supposed to let me know before you add new segments, right? We're a team. I mean, a regular thing. Unless everyone famous in Magic starts running Kickstarters at once, which is kind of what happened now. Niels Hamm and Josh Krauss of Original Magic Art have started a Kickstarter. At time of recording, they're at almost $84,000, well past their $22,750 goal. 
Niels Ham is actually one of the most recognizable artists in the game, and now he's offering tokens, officially licensed playmats, as well as prints of his original magic artwork. Well, okay, I find a lot of it very creepy, which I think is maybe the goal, but he's very, very popular, and he's got a lot of artistic skill, and I adore his Baleful Strix art, so maybe go check it out. Well, now that that's announced, why is there an entire corner for Kickstarters? Because Alexei Bricklow is also having a Kickstarter for a monograph art book, which includes a whole section on his work as a legendary magic artist. You know, much to my surprise, based on how you typically do things, that's pretty exciting. And it's a very good week for the art lovers in the magic community, apparently. People bling out their decks for a reason. Art is pretty. There will be links to the Kickstarters in the show notes. Once I find them, since, you know, someone didn't bother to give me a heads up that this was something we were going to be doing. One of my many depths is surprises. Depth is still certainly a word we can use to describe that. But on that note. That's all for this edition. We'll see you next time. Same time. New news. Thank you.